Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists who spend our lives asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. This week, we're talking about whether young women should be warned against leaving it too late to have children. If this is a topic you have an opinion on, we'd like to hear your views. So tweet us using the hashtag MedicalMindField or email us at health at mailonsunday.co.uk. I believe this is something you have an opinion on, Eve. I do. I just so happen to. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. But it's true, isn't it? The, the younger you are, the more likely you are to conceive. The older you are, the more you'll struggle. Yes, statistically, that is correct. However, there's obviously lots of individual problems that young women might have with fertility that Mm. you might not necessarily know about. So it's not true for every case. And you're not completely unlikely to conceive if you are 30, 35. I mean, there's, it's a percentage drop-off or something. Yes, it? and it's it's not very significant until you get to about 40, 41. And right. even then, it's not impossible to conceive. You know, lots of women do. The reason we're talking about this is because Dorothy Byrne, the new president of all-female Mary Edwards College in Cambridge, plans to introduce seminars to her students aged 19 to 21 warning them that they shouldn't leave it too late to try and start a family. The messages obviously are being targeted at women only. That's something that you've taken umbrage with as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think if we're going to be saying this to young women, we absolutely need to be saying it to young men, not least because in the majority of cases, if a young woman wants to have a baby, they're going to have it with a partner. And I think that it should be a case of discussing the issue with the person that you're going to have a baby with rather than it just all being plonked on the woman's shoulders as it so often is. We've talked about this from the other side of the spectrum that there are mothers out there who resent being called geriatric by the time they're 35 um, as per medical terminology Mm. Um, but we'd said you know perhaps they were mistaken in thinking that they weren't too old well I think that the risks of not being able to conceive after the age of 35 have been somewhat blown out of proportion due to very old studies and actually when you really dig into the data you see that the decline in fertility is very gradual up until the age of about 40 41 and actually there's very little difference in being able to conceive between the ages of 30 if you compare for instance a 34 year old woman and a 38 year old woman is there i mean do you think there's a, de- a need for warning young women do you think young women no. are unaware no no this idea i think that dorothy burns is was quoted as saying something like women should be told in case they forget well I don't know. I know lots of 30-something-year-old women. I am one. And I don't know one who would say that they would forget about having a baby and forget that their biological or, you know, fertile years are limited. But you'd say people perhaps are making a series of complicated life choices and balancing them all up as that's what feminists have fought for. I think so, but I also think on a very basic practical level, just from what I know in my circle, you know, lots of women my age would love to have children, but unfortunately, or, you know, just it's the circumstances, they haven't met someone that they feel they want to have children with. So Mm. that's such a huge part of it. And I think it's all very well telling young women, you know, hurry up, just get on with it. But... I mean, realistically, who, who with who? <laughs> well, look, you've got Dorothy Byrne on the line now. I think we should hear from her first. 
I do. Joining us now is Dorothy Byrne, who is the president of Mary Edwards College at the University of Cambridge. Dorothy, do you really think that it's necessary for 20-year-old women to know that their biological clock is ticking? I think that young women know that their fertility declines significantly at the age of 35 or over. But my experience is, from making several television programmes on the subject, that they don't know a lot of the specific facts. For example, a lot of young women and men don't know that there's a significant statistical difference in your likelihood of getting pregnant if you start trying at the age of 38 rather than at the age of 41. As you get older, the likelihood of getting pregnant declines very sharply in specific years. And I didn't know that. And if I had known, I started trying to get pregnant when I was 42. If I had realized that it would have been twice as easy had I started at 38, I might well have started at 38. I think the other thing that a lot of people don't know is that the age, you know, your chronological age doesn't necessarily tell you how fertile you are as an individual. And again, I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known that you can go and have fertility tests and even some more complex tests to find out how fertile you are. But do you think that 20-year-olds, I mean, indeed, some of these students will be 19 and not, not kind of long out of school, do you think that that's the right time to be telling them this? There's one thing having the conversation when someone is perhaps settled, maybe in a relationship or certainly in a place in their life where they feel that that might be a realistic situation. But, you know, when you're, you're barely a, you know, almost a teenager, is that necessary or appropriate? I absolutely think it is. I think you need to give people information quite a bit before they will actually need it so that they're armed with it ready. And you don't think it will have any kind of effect on women's idea of their opportunities that, you know, is there not a risk that they start thinking about babies and children and perhaps that is different to their career and and it sets them in a different direction? No, I don't think that at all. Having a baby isn't for everybody. Having a baby isn't essential for the happiness of any woman or man, you know, I'm not saying people need to have babies, but most people want to have children and they want to think and plan their future lives. And I think we as educationalists shouldn't just be telling people information about how to do really well in your exams or how to have a great career. We should be giving people all the information um, that you need for life. I mean, I also think that schools, for example, should be teaching children much more about finance mm. and how not to get into debt. We, we are too limited in this country in what we think education is about. We should be educating whole people for all of their lives. 
And this is sort of based on your own experience, isn't it? Am I am I right in, in thinking that, that you got pregnant later and, and that was difficult for you and therefore yes. that's why you think this? Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yes, I am very lucky because I had a baby when I was nearly 45. Mm. So I'm not urging anybody else to do any of the things that I did. But my experience is one of the things that drives me to want to give young women the right sort of information. So I was one of those people who thought, I don't know when I'll have a baby, I'll get round to it at some point. And in my late 30s, I did start thinking, oh, you know, maybe I need to be thinking about this more, but I was still very wrapped up in my career. So it wasn't until I was 42 that I started trying to have a baby and I went to a fertility clinic. I found that actually my level of fertility was pretty good for my age, but that's when I discovered some of the statistics that if I had tried to have a baby when I was 38 or 39, I would have had maybe double the chance that I had at 42. Mm. I had fertility treatment, several sessions of it over a couple of years, and I did manage to have a baby. But it's not just that that was expensive. It meant that I was taking a lot of fertility drugs, and that isn't ideal. And maybe if I had started just two or three years earlier, it would have been easier for me to do it, and I might not have needed to take all those drugs. Mm. And also, of course, by the time I'd had one child, fundamentally, I'd left it too late to have another child. So I don't urge anybody to do what I've done, but I speak openly to girls in schools, when I go to schools, and I speak openly to young women here about my experience and the knowledge I got along the way to help inform them. And that's, I assume, did you have a partner at that time? I did that on my own. At the time, I didn't have a partner. Mm. So I went to a clinic on my own. And at the time, I was advised that it would be simpler for me to have an unknown donor. I did consider having a known donor So, yes, I did it all by myself with the help of a fertility clinic and a a young unknown man who um, made a donation to the system. Wow. And and so that brings me on to, you know, we're, we're talking about these lessons are going to be for young women. Do you not think that the same should be done for boys then or are women who we need to target? Yes. I mean, I, I should stress these are not formal lessons, but I absolutely think that boys at school and young men should be given information about fertility. And I just want to pick up on one thing that you you said, Dorothy, um, that I thought was interesting, that you, you, you want young women to know about their fertility so that um, they don't forget to have a baby because they're distracted by their career. Now, as a, a 30-year-old woman, I, I feel bombarded with messages about having children and huge amount of pressure do you genuinely think that young women forget what i think is that 
they're bombarded with a very negative message. You know, think of your biological clock. I, th- I hate the term biological clock. But what they're not given is very specific information which could help them to make a decision. And they're not given time and opportunity to think. Um, You know, people just don't talk about these things. A number of women have contacted me over the years who are thinking of having a baby on their own and they've read that I did it or they know someone I know and they say, can I talk to you about it? Because I feel I can't talk to anybody else about it. And a number of young women who have partners have said to me, I am really keen to have a baby, but I feel I can't talk to anybody about it at work because then people will think I don't care about my career. And I think it's appalling that young women are less feeling they can't talk to people about just thinking through all these issues. Well, Dorothy Byrne, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Eve, it's one of my favourite, favourite stories that you ever tell me about the time that you had a baby. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, the time your, I had a baby. Your robot baby. My awful, horrible robot baby that ended up in a garage. Um, <laughs> didn't you put didn't you put it in a plastic bag <laughs> as well? Go take yes. it to the cinema. <laughs> I was 14 years old and my teachers thought it would be a great idea at the local comprehensive girls' school that I went to to give all of the girls in my year group, we were all 14 and 15, a plastic doll um, it sounds quite sophisticated. It was, actually. It cried, certainly for my school, it cried and screamed many times during the day and the night and it came with a paired nappy and bottle and you had to feed it certain times in the day and night and change its nappy. And one um, of your oh. friends, one of your friends, it broke and got stuck on crying. Yes, yeah, so it was just cry- <laughs> So she had to bring it into the class and it was just like yelping. Yeah, we all failed, basically, the task. Which... I think you'll make a great mother. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been practicing since the age of 14. No, any. the point is, it was a silly task and nobody took it seriously. Did and it put you off or put anyone off having children? I don't think anyone even made the link, to be quite honest. They just thought, why have I got this really annoying thing that's quite funny for about five seconds and then I just want to flush it down the toilet? I think your point is that people are going to do what they're going to do outside of lessons that are given in schools. And, exactly. And, you know, people are, there's a wider awareness of fertility and parenting and exactly i think while these initiatives are obviously well-meaning do they serve any benefit to anyone i i really doubt that they do from what i saw anyway well let's ask a doctor that knows on the line now we have consultant gynecologist jess mcmicking jess thanks very much for finding time to talk to us we're talking today about plans at cambridge university to introduce seminars warning female students that they shouldn't leave it too late to start a family. Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's quite interesting to hear this concept. Um, I mean, there's two sides to this story. First of all, I guess it's raising awareness of the fertility landscape. And I guess the positive thing about that is that it's gaining ground you know, amongst females. 
But on the flip side, and I strongly believe, you know, what we have to consider is, is this necessarily the right time to raise awareness of this issue in a group of um, women who are of quite a young age and possibly a vulnerable stage in their life? What do you think the issues that should be raised are? What do you think would be a good idea to tell young women about fertility at 19 to 21 years of age? Yes, I think it's always a balance of information. You know, it's right across the board. I think patient information or, you know, just across the community is a good thing. But we have to make sure, first of all, that we're providing the right sorts and the right amount of information. You know, we don't want to provide anything that scares them. And we have to consider in this piece that these are women who are about to start their careers or, you know, their study that leads on to their wonderful careers. Um, And I think we have to really uh, keep that in the foreground um, about providing realistic information, you know, keeping it small, simple, um, but also ensuring that it's not going to interfere with what their ambitions are long term. So do you think they should be told, you know, not to leave it later than 30, 35? Is there a cut-off age? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily meaning putting a cut-off age to it. You know, I think it's quite, I don't know, I think that's a bit far-fetched to say, you know, someone on their first day of uni, oh, you should have a child by the time you're 33. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that. Um, I think it's more, I guess, painting a, a landscape of fertility and possibly, you know, saying, these are the options out there you know if you were someone who wanted to delay your fertility you know what we obviously don't want these women to do is you know, get to an age of you know 45 or something and then say oh actually I want to have a child and then they may have run out of um, ovarian eggs or ovarian reserve left um, at that time I, I think it's hard to put a put a you know number or a set rule yeah. but as I said it's the balance of information that's the most important thing here There's suggestions that young women should be taught that if they wait till the age of 35, they'll be dramatically less likely to get pregnant. Is that right? It's it's all very dependent on the woman itself. Now, we know um, some women may, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's a family disposition or an underlying medical problem, have a tendency to have what we call premature ovarian insufficiency. Now, that is quite rare in women under 35 years of age. But, you know, that, that could happen, I guess, really. We also know that some women, you know, as I said, they may carry, you know, baggage or other, you know, medical problems that can expedite depletion in their ovarian in a reserve. Um, we know once a woman you know, hits 35, 40, obviously her egg count number is lesser than someone who's under 30 and possibly of a poorer quality. So, I mean, they are the scientific facts that we know, but I guess it's how do you provide that information in the right way and delivering, you know, not only safe and correct information, but also, as I said before, to this group of women, it's got to be delivered um, in a realistic format that fits well as well. Mm. Do you think that many women are unaware that there is a fertility window that perhaps ends in the late 40s? I don't think so, to be very honest with you. I think most women would have gained that information, whether it's from their own family or you know their parents' age. I think you know just chatting you know amongst themselves at school and that sort of thing. I think I would assume that most women would carry you know, that information. You know, within them from various forms of life. 
I mean, dealing with patients, you know, across the board, there definitely is an element that say when you get to, you know, early 30s, there may be parts of the puzzle that you actually aren't aware of or didn't quite know. And I think that's a very different spectrum to delivering that information to someone who's, say, 18. Mm. Jess, can I ask you, what would the difference be, um, theoretically, kind of speaking, if somebody came to you Say you had one patient that was 34 and wanted to try and get pregnant and you had another patient who was 38. Would you expect a huge difference between the ability of the two of those patients to get pregnant? Well, I guess it comes down to, you know, going through their history, what are their menstrual cycles like, you know, what, are, what is their overall health like as well? who is the partner that is going to be part of this um, uh, fertility picture. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily treat those women myself any differently. It may be that in the 38-year-old, you might be, you know, say, well, look, you know, off you go, you know, try and get pregnant. But you may say, say, after 12 months, if you weren't, say, successful, then possibly what we should be doing is bringing you back into the clinic and thinking about then involving you know, a fertility doctor. And I think that that's probably the only real key difference, to be honest. But with a 34-year-old, you would just say keep trying for another two, three years or something without involving medicine? No, not necessarily. But you'd probably, what we know is the cumulative effects of pregnancy. So, you know, after 12 months, what we say is about you know, 85% of couples will conceive. Um, and when you then expand that to say, you know, a 24-month sort of picture, we say that actually 95% of couples by that stage. And in the 34-year-old, it depends on that individual, because I think if, if a 34-year-old has been trying for, say, 12, 18 months, they might start to become a little bit anxious about it and possibly just want a few further investigations um, to help establish that, you know, there's nothing necessarily going on that's impinging on their chances. It seems like it's quite a nuanced situation and perhaps that just mass warning people that they're going to struggle to conceive after the age of 35 might be slightly uh, scary unnecessarily. Oh, I totally agree. I think, you know, I certainly wasn't told at that age that, you know, this would happen once you sort of clocked over to 35. Um, And and I think it it is sending the wrong message to these women. Um, I think, as I said before, there are ways to deliver information and I personally think that this is possibly the wrong message to get across. And of course the message isn't being given to men, what do you think about that? (laughs) There's a lot of messages that aren't given to men. (laughs) (laughs) But do they need to know Uh, that or you know are they surely they're part of the picture? (laughs) I guess you could look at it from either side of being a feminist and some might argue well yes of course they need to know that I mean, at at the end of the day, if everyone knows that information, it it probably sits better across the board. But, you know, the same would go for same-sex couples as well. Well, look, Dr Jess McMicking, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones' Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. See, I was right. The doctor agrees. The doctor agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a big pressure on, on women that this whole kind of biological clock thing is overblown? 
Absolutely. And I was thinking about even TV shows that I watched growing up. And even now, I mean, TV shows like Friends and things like that, I remember there was constantly references to the fact that the women were in their late 20s, early 30s, and they had to be getting pregnant because they were going to run out of time. There were several episodes that referred to that. And I remember being younger and thinking, oh, God, I I better make sure I don't miss that deadline. But, you know, uh, one of our writers, uh, Tessa Dunlop, always talks about the fact that even when she was in her, yeah, she was in her late 30s and people would keep on asking her. She had one kid and people would keep on asking her, oh, just the one. You know, mm. that it wasn't just having a baby. It was having more than one baby that you need. To yeah, do. interestingly, a lot of the fertility experts I spoke to who were very much on the side of Dorothy Byrne thought this was a great idea, said to me that, well, it's about having more than one children. And, and of course, you know, women often want more than one child and therefore they have to start by the age of 33 because if they don't, then they're going to not have enough time to have more than one. And I think that families are changing, women are changing. And actually, I think there's less and less women who want two, three children these days. And actually, I think the average number of children that women have now is something like 1.58 children. I've never quite worked out how that... Unless you were a TV chef and then you have 18. Yes, and (laughs) magically are able to also create wonderful soups 50 million times a day. Where do people find the time or motivation? I think it's money-related. Right, Mm. I understand. Well, I shan't be having children. I've decided. (laughs) I'm already in my 40s. Oh, it's too late anyway. I'm probably over the hill, all dried up. Yes, men also, there's a situation with mutant sperm, I've heard, which I think we've discussed before. Well, the editor was incredulous at this. He didn't believe that men were affected by declining fertility, but it is true. And and you're more likely to have a, a child who's autistic if you're an older father. Yes, that is true. And the risk of miscarriage also increases mm, with, with uh, paternal age, yeah. I think to be fair to Dorothy Byrne, it was quite interesting what she was saying about how she wished she knew the difference between being 37, 38 and being 41, 42. And I do think that she's right in that if we are going to talk about this, I hate to say it, but deadline, really we should be talking about women in there as they reach 40 and over 40, because that's when it starts to become really, really difficult. And I guess that a lot of women would be very, very disappointed if they had their heart set on children and got to that age and it didn't happen. Um, But I think when we're talking about mid-30s, I just... I don't think that it's something that we should all be, you know, terrified about. I just keep coming back to the idea as well that nowadays there are so many things that women can choose to do with their lives. And, you know, being a mother, starting a family is one of those things. But it's no less value to have a great career in that you can parent in many ways and you can be a mentor and an inspirational person. And, you know, you can be out there and doing things and, you know, perhaps later on you might try and have a child and then perhaps you might not. And then is that such a bad thing? I think part of it must come from the idea that there's a certain stigma perhaps attached to not having children. Mm. And that surely needs to be addressed in lectures at Cambridge University as well. And that there is absolutely nothing wrong with not being a traditional parent. Completely. And I think arguably the bigger societal problem would be younger, unprepared women, not financially capable, having children and then with huge long-term complications for both the mother and the baby in terms of mental health, in terms of kind of life chances. Um, And I think if we're really going to talk about what young women should be learning, maybe we should teach them, you know, how to open a savings account or manage a mortgage or 
you know, something that's practical that means that they will actually gain benefits from that rather than this arbitrary thing that may or may not happen in their life. Well, it's a huge issue and one that we're unlikely to resolve in a single podcast. And that's all we've got time for. You'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. You can also follow us on Twitter by searching at mailplus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.